quick disclaimer for this episode. I screwed up my audio. I am going to sound like total garbo. My apologies. Welcome everyone to Love and Pod, the weekly-ish, maybe if you squint a little, Trigon Stampede podcast. I am your host, Lady Zeon the Double Fang, and with me as always is my co-host, Kai the Non-Binary Typhoon. Say hello, Kai. Hello, I am here. I am ready to talk about Trigon again. I'm excited. You're alive! Woo! Okay, yeah, so we are back. Sorry for the little impromptu hiatus. Things happen, but we are back. We're going to pick up from where we left off. So we're on episode five, and to change up things, we are now talking about the dub. So, like, because by this point, the dub is out. So might as well, you know, save us some trouble, experience the dub. I'll probably end up watching both, honestly, for each episode. That's what I did for this one, and I'll probably do so. But, you know, mostly I'm going to be referencing the dub. How about you, Kai? Oh, yeah, I just watched the dub. I didn't know we were supposed to do both of them. That's fine. Oh, no, no, it's fine. You don't have to do both. As long as, long as you watch the damn episode and can talk about it. Shit, yeah. honestly, you can just gaslight me, uh, read a Wikipedia summary, and then, you know, just tell me you totally watched it for realsies. Like, I won't be able to call bullshit. I just really like Johnny Young Bosch, man. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Johnny Young Bosch? Like, he's goddamn Johnny Young Bosch. Like, he, he, he's an icon in the goddamn industry for a reason. He's been here from the early days of, like, anime getting big in the west like with trigun so you know it's kind of hard to not get excited about hearing him in trigun again even if your feelings on the new material are kind of like back and forth yeah you know? yeah speaking of opinions going back and forth on this material anyhow let's uh let's give this one a recap this episode is called child of blessing i don't fucking remember i'm not looking it up whatever it's episode five of Stampede. Uh, the episode begins with a cold open of a family praying um, for the wind to blow. Their city seems to, instead of having a plant, has a windmill. Wind's not blowing. They have no power. And they're praying to their god for wind. I actually do really love that we're leaning much further into the... Uh religious like side of the story mm -hmm. than i remember the original anime like right out the bat i was like oh that makes this stand out and i kind of like it like religious undertones were such a big part of original trigon both in the anime and in the manga so i mean it definitely makes sense that like yeah we'll definitely seeing more of like the regular everyday people who are absorbed into in-depth religious beliefs for positive and negative as we will see in this episode so anyhow going back to the summary uh we cut to our heroes listening to the radio uh roberto exposition dumps and then he exposition dumps some more and exposition dumps some more they find a dead Big-ass bug that was punched to death, apparently. Then Vash walks off. Hard cut back to the uh, family from the beginning. Uh, we have a child and his mother. The kid's name is Rolo. And he is questioning why God requires child sacrifices. And then hard cut back to our heroes. They're going into an abandoned city with a windmill plant. To which then Roberto gives us more experience 
fucking exposition on how windmills work. Then, as Vash is walking through the city, he is shot at, and a giant guy with who has more guns than man jumps down, firing at him, yelling, Vash! Cut back to the kid, Rolo, here, overhearing that he has been selected as the sacrifice, and he runs away. Hard cut again, back to our heroes, Vash and Wolfwood um, take out the giant gunman. Then we find out that he actually has regenerative abilities. Hard cut to the kid, Rolo, who had run away. Vash meets him in the desert, like, hey, I heard you ran off. I was told to, like, try to bring you home. And the kid is talking about how, like, he doesn't have long to live, and that he's sick, and... Vash is just like, you know, don't worry, if you ever need me, like, I'll protect you. And then, you know, we find out that Vash had returned with medicine, but he returned too late. And Wolfwood kind of chastises him for making promises to this kid that he knew he couldn't keep. Hard cut again, back to what we now know is the past, because that is not conveyed in the text. Uh, the kid is taken away to be sacrificed. And we see that he is being sacrificed actually to Knives' people. Back when they attacked uh, the uh, city Genora Rock, there was a scientist and a little girl with him. And that is who is in this room. Uh, and we find out that they performed a bunch of experiments on him. And that the giant man made of guns is the little kid Rolo. Also, we find out that... Vash has apparently been here long before, like, Meryl finds a picture of him holding baby Rolo, and Vash is trying to, like, talk Rolo down, and Wolfwood's all fucked up, and he cracks a vial open and uses it to heal his wounds. Uh, Wolfwood then shoots Rolo in the head. Vash loses his shit on Wolfwood, like, how could you, like, blah blah blah, and Wolfwood claps back at him about, uh, you know, throwing his own ideologies in his face, like, you know, I was doing this person a favor, like, you know, they were too far gone, they didn't have a life, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's not your decision to make. And then finally, one last hard cut, we go to the scientist lab where Zazie informs the scientist that his creation was killed, and specifically that he was killed by another one of the doctor's creations, Wolfwood the Punisher. End of episode. Oh boy. Hey Kai, what did you think of this episode? I got one word to just like to describe the whole thing, and it's how I also described everything to do with knives so far, and it's brutal. Like yeah. this this anime adaptation seems to be like I don't have I don't have very good memory of reading the manga, but this seems to be especially brutal. But again, that's probably just because I process things easier in animation than reading manga. But well, I mean, like the manga is definitely brutal, but yeah, right out the gate, it like I can't say it's more brutal than the manga because I'm not entirely sure, but it feels a lot more brutal than like the uh, you know pr uh, previous anime, like I. Things like right out the gate, just having the kids straight out say, you know, oh, why does God require ch uh, child sacrifice? And then, oh, yeah, he was chosen to be sacrificed. Just like, yep, that's where we're going. We're not, you know, d dancing around it. Uh, 
Wolfwood shooting him in the head, and we just see that happen right in front of Vash, right when Vash was giving himself a glimmer of hope that he could save him. Like, it's just so brutal. And I will say for, like, all the twists, like, I'm rapid fire going through a lot of, like, quick thoughts I've had, but, like, all the twists that they pull in this episode were things that, like, I figured out just a few seconds before it was, like, revealed. You know, right. like we see Vash talking about, talking to Wolfwood about, like, why he's upset or something. And then it cuts to Rolo in the desert. And I'm like, oh, my God, Rolo was, like, in the past. Like, this city's in the past. You know, we're not seeing anybody else here or whatever. This isn't current time. This is this is the past thing. And, and then, sure enough, we see Vash show up and talking to Rolo. And it's like, hey, I'm going to bring you back home. Uh, figuring out that the big guy was Rolo. And I'm like... Oh my goodness, wait, that's Rolo, isn't it? That's totally him. And then cut to Vash screaming, Rolo, no, this isn't you. And I'm like, oh my God, I knew it, you know? Which yeah. for me, when that, it, and I know that's like not something you can't perfectly plan in your writing to have happen. But for me, that's one of the most satisfying ways to experience some kind of twist is figuring out seconds before the penny drops, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, it's just, there's, there's a lot, you know? It's, <laughs> I think Roberto didn't annoy me as much this episode, but then you were talking about, oh, he did a bunch of exposition dumping at the beginning, and I'm like, I think I just straight up tuned him out. Yeah, no, uh, he he, exposition, <laughs> he gets all of his exposition dumping out in the beginning, and then he shuts the fuck up for the remainder of the episode, pretty much. Like, I mean, like, seriously, he talks about a plant-worshipping cult in the city of July, he talks about... The, the color of sand is abnormal here because, like, some monster slaughtered people and turned the sand red, and it's just, like, okay. Like, the the, the plant-worshipping cult thing is uh, tied to, like, what they were listening to on the radio, which obviously ties into the radio stuff that we were hearing uh, from the religious f- family at the beginning, which is interesting because, like, those two... Mm, okay. I can't tell if it's clever or stupid to have us listening to a religious broadcast in one scene in the past and then jump to the present and they're also listening to a religious broadcast because it really confuses, like, this is taking place in the past. Like, like the episode is very deliberately keeping that from you, and I think it makes the episode worse for it. Because I spent most of it really goddamn confused trying to figure out how these two disparate storylines were connecting, if at all. Like, did you have that problem? I didn't really, I didn't have that problem, but I can totally understand and see why you did. Because it is kind of like, like, I I see everything that you're saying. And I'm like, even though I didn't get the exact same reaction to it of being confused about what's in the past or present or what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? I do totally get how that is, like, kind of a questionable writing decision with the podcast, especially, or the podcast, the broadcast, especially, you know, because, like, yeah, that didn't occur to me that that would be, like, confuse the idea. Yeah, and, like, I, nothing is really accidental in, like, art and in storytelling. So, like, if you have a religious broadcast in one scene and in the very next scene there is characters listening to a religious broadcast... You are going to assume it's the same broadcast. Like, you know, it's it's the Kuleshov effect. It's like you yeah. put two scenes together and your brain connects the tissue together. And I, I understand, like, why they would kind of want to keep, like, 
keep that reveal to them a little bit. But because it kept bouncing back and forth, it becomes it became really disorienting for me. Where like as it being it being a cold open was fine, and then it being a reveal later. Uh, but like the fact that it kept jumping back and forth, and I didn't even like really grasp that because I'm like, okay, like are they just in this city? What's going? It wasn't until like, and I should just say like the 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 big gunman. He he's Monev the Gale of the Gung Ho Guns. Like this is right. their version of him. Yeah, I knew I recognized him. I couldn't remember like the name, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. although it doesn't sound familiar. I was yeah, like... no, no, like <laughs> his name. Yeah, that that that's Monev the Gale, and yeah. so like yeah, when Monev starts attacking the city, and then they hard cut back to like the flashback. At that point, I was just like, okay, like, maybe this this has to take place in the past. And that's why I started putting together that this kid might have been uh, Monev. Honestly, here's the mistake I was making throughout most of it, which was uh, the religious broadcast they were listening to was clearly in reference to the Eye of Michael, which is the organization that created uh, Wolfwood and uh, Levio. So when I saw this kid listening to an Eye of Michael, like, uh, broadcast, and, like, the side of his face is kind of fucked up, I'm like, oh, this kid's Levio. This kid's gonna be Levio the Double Fan. <laughs> that was my first thought, too. And so then when he ended up being Motive the Gale, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my first thought, too. But I was like, but that doesn't, no, that doesn't seem quite right that that would be Livio, like... You know, but also, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> then they do, like, you know, the reveal, and... I... I don't know kind of how I feel about this episode. I feel very middle of the road on it. Because there's some cool stuff here. Some really good stuff here. But, like, I feel like kind of, once again, that kind of first draft syndrome that we're always bringing up. But, like, Vash apparently has a history with this town... He, like, literally knew Rolo as a baby. Yeah, that's... And I felt like that was really kind of stretching my suspension of disbelief. That's like, oh, yeah. oh, he has such a connection to this town. Um, that he knew this kid as a baby, and his mother took a picture of him as a baby being held by Vash's Stampede. And then, like, when he finds him in the desert, the kid is just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you're Vash's Stampede. You're the humanoid typhoon. So I'm guessing this is the first time he has seen Rolo since literally being a baby. It was so weird that, like, Vash just happened to show up right when this kid ran away and his mother was able to, like, get Vash to go find her kid and bring him back to be sacrificed. Which at no point does Rolo go, yeah, you're taking me back to go get sacrificed to God. I was okay, so I have, like, some deep, like, uh... I guess philosophical, like, I don't know, background of being uh, very religious at, like, cradle Catholic. Even still, I am very religious still, but at the same time, like, I I can connect a lot to where Rolo's head was at in a lot of that mm -hmm. because of just how child brains work. But I also right. wanted to add that, like, I, with the thing about, like, Vash knowing Rolo since a baby, I don't see what that added it feels more like it confuses like okay so he's known him like it feels more like it confuses things than it does add to it because vash already yeah. and we already know this vash already 
cares very deeply for every life even like before Mm -hmm. he figured out it was Rolo or at least I'm assuming it was before he figured out it was Rolo he was like upset to think that like big gun guy got like might have gotten killed you know yeah um and so it's like and we already established this about him he doesn't want to see anybody get hurt and he wants to help as many people as possible and sometimes he's a bit too trusting in that front and mm-hmm. so we, I don't, we don't need to see that, oh, no, he has a special connection with this town and this kid specifically. No, like, I could totally believe that in the past he happened upon this town at the time when Rolo had run away and there's a mother crying and freaking out about her kid running away and she doesn't give all the details about the fact that the sacrifice is coming and Vash mm-hmm. offers to go help find him. And, and Vash is such a charismatic guy like I, I can agree I can believe all that yeah. without needing to see that oh no but you see he has a connection with this family from the like you didn't need that what did that add yeah. also like if he has this kind of connection with the family does he know that they're part of a religious cult that sacrifices children right that's like obvious obviously they had been sacrificing children for long enough to Rolo to be wondering about it and to know that it's like accepted as a fact of life to the point of being able to ask why do we do it in the Mm -hmm. like you know um and i'm gonna say he's probably what like 10 ish maybe maybe preteen age you know yeah which again i can get into all of the like psychology of that because that felt very relatable and real to me about how he was asking about their religion and stuff like that you know right but it was it was just like really weird of like it it yeah, the the fact of trying to add that there's a deeper connection between Vash and Rolo than any other random kid, it just feels like it confuses things more than it adds yeah. to the drama. Also, adding to this, you know, Vash also apparently came back with medicine and Rolo had already been sacrificed by that point. So he didn't know it was going to happen. Vash has no clue. Like, we gave this, like, extra dark element to this story of Vash is personally responsible for this kid becoming this monster. And he has no fucking clue. He doesn't learn that in the episode. Like, because because uh. Rolo in this episode, he doesn't speak. He's just like movie two Broly yelling Kakarot. <laughs> you right. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I had to process the, the Broly comparison for a second. It just made me giggle. <laughs> Because you're absolutely correct. I can see him showing, like, knowing now that that happened and having that guilt weigh on him. Like, if I may, I would love to just, like, go off for a second about all the, like, relatability and the connections between, like, being a child, being raised, you know, cradle to this, like, religion and stuff. Pop off, my friend. Pop off. Yeah, okay. So, it's, there is, like, a delicate way to um, handle like raising a kid because you want to be careful that you're not and this is just for anything but especially with religion you don't want to be teaching the kids of your faith to just blindly believe whatever some random adult says you know that is not what you want to do but that is the pitfall a lot of people run into that's why it's like yeah i know i am very catholic but i also am well aware that there's a lot of really awful you know people who are catholic and there's also a lot of parents who like make a lot of mistakes in raising their kids Catholic because they don't know what they're, you know, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things. That's one of the very common mistakes is it's because we said so, right? Whereas me growing up in like a household where by the time I was like in high school, my dad was joining the diaconate. Anytime I asked questions about the faith, 
I got direct answers and comparisons and like, this is where this comes from. This is where, this is why we believe this. And this Mm -hmm. is like, here's some of the like historical context for it and this, that, and the other. Right. And some of it is like, oh yeah, this is a a mystery of faith that this is one of those things you have to put faith in it in. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like anytime I asked, why do we do this? I got the answer. Well, because God said so, you know, that's not the answer I ever got, but it is the answer a lot of people get and kids at like around Rolo's age at that time, that's when, when you're a cradle, you know, cradle born into the uh, faith, that's around the age you start to question it and you start wanting answers because that's around the age you start to question everything adults tell you. You Like I tell people that um, it's a little early, but it is also around that time. You know, the differences between like childhood is believing adults, know everything adolescence is realizing they don't and hating them for it and adulthood is realizing nobody knows anything ever mm-hmm. right um and so it's like that kind of preteen age and i know again i'm kind of assuming his age but he seems like he's around like 10 11 12 or something mm-hmm. you know especially if he's sick you know it's like he would appear a little younger even than he actually is right so it makes sense that would be the age where he's like why do we sacrifice uh children And if you notice, the mom's answer doesn't actually answer why that's necessary. She just says, isn't death a wonderful thing? Yeah, no, it's just like, 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 it's it's the end goal and you're giving yourself to God. That's wonderful. Why don't you do it then? You know, like, that doesn't answer the question. (laughs) Yeah, this shit's so fucking great. Why don't you go first, bitch? (laughs) But it's like, that's the point that I was like, oh, man, that's like comparing to... Like, that's the sort of answer a lot of people get when they start asking their religious parents around that age questions like, um, oh gosh, why, why don't, why don't we eat meat on Fridays during Lent? What's up with that? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people just go, well, don't you like fish? Don't you like eating fish? I thought it was your favorite meal. Whereas like, in my case with my family, the good example of what you do they broke down the historical context of it right? and then continued on to explain why we allow fish and why it's only on Fridays, even though it used to be where all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just, I loved, I, that's part of why I think I got a lot more out of this episode than it seems like you did mm-hmm. because I related to it. Even if I related to it in a way of going, I've seen this happen to people around me my whole life and I've also experienced these feelings that Rolo's experiencing and that includes the like everyone tells me to just pray to God and he'll fix everything but I feel like me not believing hard enough is what's causing it to like is what's causing God to ignore my prayers and I felt that on a deep and personal level for that age especially and then when somebody tells you oh well no just keep you know, and that's, again, that's the common mistake where people say, well, maybe, so just believe harder. You know, that's not the answer you're supposed to give, but unfortunately it's the answer a lot of people give. And that's essentially what Vash told him was, well, okay, we'll just put faith in me instead. He did that, and then Vash couldn't be there because, you know, Wolfwood was right here. Like, you made a promise you couldn't possibly keep. What did you think? You were going to have, like, a chip on this kid? You're going to be able to hear any time he called your name and you could, like, teleport to him? What did you think was going to happen? Nah, that's it. <laughs> Another thing that doesn't quite work for me in this episode is, okay, we have established that this kid was part of an experiment under the eye of Michael and that he also made 
Wolfwood, and that the scientist is, you know, this doctor is under the employ of knives. So now the Eye of Michael being their own separate thing that knives found and recruited is now just a thing that he created. And that's kind of lame to me because it makes the world smaller. Like, Mona of the Gale was part of the Eye of Michael. He was an experiment of them. And uh, the Eye of Michael is this or- is part of, you know, Knives' organization. And it's just like... That's a good point. It does kind of take away from the manipulation factor of Knives. Because, like, you know, the Eye of Michael stuff, if, to my understanding, like, from the original manga and everything, like, Knives... I think you just said it too. Knives recruited them after they were already doing shenanigans. Yeah. And you do that by being a charismatic manipulator, you know, great deceiver, all that good stuff. Like I could see like the idea being that like this version of Knives really sees himself as like a messiah, as a god, and you know, that he would form a religion literally around him. I could totally see him being that, but like Taking all of these characters that had their own unique origins, and Moan of the Gale, he was just some dude with big guns who fucked shit up that Knives had, had hired, as opposed to Moan of the Gale, an experiment of the Eye of Michael, who is works under Knives. It's just, it makes the world feel smaller. It's that kind of, like... Uh, like, it reminds me of, like, when Sony was gonna do, like, their own Spider-Man universe, and, like, all of the villains came from Oscorp, and it just, yeah, it, it just contracts the world instead of, you know, letting it feel more lived in and, you know, interesting, in my opinion, when you just tie everything back to this one person. It weakens Knives's like, philosophy and point when you say that he was pulling the strings with pretty much everything bad and every... When you connect every bad person and or practically every bad person and every bad thing that happens directly to Knives started it, it weakens Knives's point. Which oh, for God, a story you're right. like which for a story like Trigon, it's really like the whole point is you have the humans suck, let's get rid of them, versus human life is valuable because it's human life. And like it really does devalue Knives's philo- philosophical stance if humans are shitty and violent because he's specifically orchestrating like you know, he he because before he had just found these powerful low lives. Here, he's creating them. Yeah, and so it goes from, like, more of a trying to make the point of, like, you know, he sees himself as, as a god and above everyone else can be compared to the story of, uh, like, the Satan and the devil, all that good stuff from, mm-hmm. like, the Christian uh, theology in the sense of... But, like, in the original, like, we're saying, like, even like that that comparison's stronger because of the fact that you know the story everybody knows in the garden of eden satan didn't make eve eat the apple he just convinced her to and she already wanted to um mm-hmm. and so whereas here it's he he literally created he literally orchestrated the creation of you know mongay Vigil here you know yeah so, it, yeah, it's like, there's a difference between I think I could be a better god and can run everyone better um, versus I'm going to 
make everybody look worse to prove my point to my brother. Yeah, I, I'm just not digging this direction that they're going. Like, I'm going to be really upset if we find out, like, Zazie the Beast was also created in a fucking lab by knives. We're going we're gonna to end this thing, and the one character who's just an asshole because he's an asshole and had nothing to do with knives is going to be Roberto. Yeah. Also, like, <laughs> man, we're really throwing out, like, the like the spoilers in this one because like because like um well uh wolfwood you know he like cracks open that vial and then heals himself and i was like oh wow because like at first like okay he pulls out the vial i'm like okay well we're not gonna see what that vial does we're just gonna see him do whatever he does next and then like oh nope he he cracks the vial open and we see him heal up uh, in the, the exact same way that Monev was healing, and then it's like, okay, so I guess we're just, we are gonna, you know, throw that little, you know, hint out there now. It's like there's more to Wolfwood than you think, and it's just like, oh, by the way, he was also created by the scientist that works under knives, and it's just like, what? <laughs> oh, okay. Because also, God, God damn, that really just ties knives to Wolfwood a lot stronger. Yeah, as opposed to Wolfwood just. Uh, yeah, his original story and all that was a lot more individual and not really connected to Knives. And that's why he was able to connect to Vash in the originals, because he wasn't that connected to Knives to begin with. He was in just... the manga, like, Wolfwood joins Knives essentially by accident, because he takes out his uh, master chapel uh, and goes in his place, not realizing what he's getting himself into. And kind of gets sucked up into, you know, that whole part of, you know, the story. Where here, it's like, he was created by the scientist who works for Knives. And I'm like, uh... On the one hand, I can see the appeal of wanting to have more direct direct connections between Knives and everything bad that happens. I can see the appeal of that. But I don't think it works for this particular story. Then again, I don't know if maybe they're just straight up doing a totally different thing. Right. But it it still is like, I can't help but like, I don't know. There's a lot here that still feels like it's trying to make that same like philosophical argument between human life is precious because it exists and it doesn't need a reason versus human life is garbage because they ruin everything. You know, which is like the the whole core of Trigon comes down to that. That's why it's like Vash and Knives are the like opposing forces in it. So I'm going to transition things to my uh, bitchy fangirl moment. Because, <laughs> you know, like, that, okay, Mona of the Gale's redesign is fucking raw. I'm just going to put that out there right now. That is a sick as fuck redesign. I think it is very cool. I also think it's very cool that, like, you know, it literally has, like, wind turbines, like, built into the guns that, like, shoot out gusts of air, like, tying back oh, into yeah. the Monev the Gale part of yeah. his name, which is and a thing fact, that he didn't really have before. And it's the fact that it's, like, connected to... The, I feel like we're having the opposite thing with the, the issues we had with, like, I changed my, my name with the, the previous guy. guy oh, yeah, no, like, the, the name changed before made no fucking sense. But here's the thing. Okay. I don't like this version of Monev the Gale in comparison to the original. Because before, Monev the Gale, though a kind of one-dimensional character, was still a character. Here, 
he is a shouty, half-gun, half-human monster man who shouts Vash with a sad backstory. I don't think that's as interesting. Like, he's not really a character. Like, he just yells Vash, and then we find out, oh, this is the kid! And then Vash confirms that he knows it's the kid, and then Wolfwood shoots him in the fucking head. It's... What? Monem's fight with Vash in the manga was so fucking dope. It was so fucking cool. And here, it's just him not wanting to hurt this person, obviously, because... Because, like, Monem very specifically wanted to, like, push Vash to his fucking limit. And he, like, triggered Vash's, like, fight-or-flight mode... And Vash mm. fucking wrecks his shit. Because, uh, I think in the manga, like, he literally, like, uses, like, Meryl as, like, as, like, you know, um, like, threatening to kill Meryl. And then, like, that finally snaps Vash, and Vash wrecks the ever-loving shit out of him. And that's when you get that great fucking line of, like, <laughs> he has the eyes of the Diablo. Yeah. It's... It's so fucking cool. Like, no matter which version you're watching, it's cool. It's raw. It's bad fucking ass. I love that scene. I loved it in the original series. I love it even more in the manga. And here we get none of that. We just get screaming monster man attacks Vash in a town. Vash has some history with this kid. Kind of, sort of. And... The most fucked up part of that backstory that he has with this kid, him having been personally responsible for this kid being turned into a monster because he took him back to the fucking crazy religious cult he lived with, he doesn't even know that part. So, like, the really tragic, fucked up part of that story, we don't even get the emotional weight of that for our main character. There's nothing here other than Vash is sad that he fucking, that, like, he got shot. Which I guess is, like, a neat throwback to when, you know, because they're trying to do the Zazie the Beast thing from when Wolfwood shot him in the classic anime. But, uh, This episode bugs <laughs> the shit out of me. Like, as, as a, just a regular episode, I'm like, eh, yeah, no, it's fine. But, like, the fangirl part of my brain is just so agitated yeah, by so like off. this episode specifically. Yeah, and it was something you were probably like looking forward to to see like because you like remembered that in the manga and stuff being so badass and run. Yeah, you're right. I, I do kind of miss all that. That was really awesome. Yeah, because like that was such a big character moment and turning point for Vash, and to replace like. Like, you took E.G. Mine, one of the, like, lamest fucking gun-ho guns who was deliberately designed to be lame, and you still kind of, like, made him a jobber, but also, like, made him a far more interesting character with his brief amount of screen time that he had. And then you do Mona of the Gale, and he's fucking Dragon Ball Z Broly. Tragic baby backstory and all. I think with, um... In, in the case of, like, like in defense of this anime, which, again, like, I um I do get, like, yeah, it is, like, way off and different from the original, and, like, how are you going to get that back if you just got rid of Mona of the Gale altogether this way, you know? The anime, as it stands on its own with the, like, oh, he's just Vash is standing and chasing him down, it's, like, that had, like, unlike with the Dragon Ball Z Broly thing, where it was, like, 
kind of I I I know I've seen people like give reasoning for it and all that. I never really liked Z Broly to start with. Those movies always like put me to sleep, so I never mm-hmm. cared too much to get involved in those conversations. But I know people said like, oh no, the I don't know the reasoning for it with Dragon Ball Z and with Broly seems really weak whenever people try to explain it. Whereas here, I feel like it it does serve the greater narrative purpose that they're doing, which is like the big when Vash tells him like, why did you, or when Vash asks Wolfwood, why did you shoot him? You know, and Wolfwood just very flatly and just goes, it was mercy. And it's like, that's the big key of like, he was straight up like had no more like i think yeah had no more humanity and all that and he was just a ball of hate and that comes down to the point of like he was so far gone that it was mercy to kill him which ties into the challenging vash's pacifism and uh vash's ideals of everyone like no one deserves to take anybody else's life ever under any circumstances you know, and that's his ideal. And that really called that into question because we got to see like firsthand that Rolo was gone. You know, he was mm-hmm. just a monster with nothing but hate and anger and frustration because he got turned into that in a very like important moment of his life when he was starting to come into his own understandings and ideologies of the world and connecting that to religion and stuff. And in that moment, he got betrayed. And so all he can feel is the anger from that betrayal now. When that's the only emotion you got, you're not really human anymore, really. And so that felt like it had a lot more of a purpose and like, just just in defense of it, because I actually really like that. I like that storyline and that idea and having that be the big, like, <sighs> words are failing me this episode. <laughs> yeah. Having See, that like, be the big I... thing to put, like, to throw in Vash's face and be like, there was no other like there was no saving i don't know like the whole thing just felt weird to me mm-hmm. it felt a little rushed you had the whole thing of wolfwood killing rollo and vash losing his shades like oh well he's just better off this way he was suffering blah blah, blah. it's like how do you know you, you don't know anything about this i mean okay he obviously yeah, does know too. but like technically he doesn't know like, like he shouldn't know that this is like some freakish monster made by the scientist who gave him superpowers. Like, so it just, I don't know. So many things in this episode just don't like fit together mm-hmm. for me. Like, and I, I'm not sure where the actual problem lies. Like I've seen this episode twice now. Yeah. And I feel you on that. So I will, I will agree. Something feels off in how it was presented. Even if it's like, it feels like all the pieces individually work well on their own and should work but something still feels like it's not connecting right and it is kind of a struggle to figure out where that is I and think... also because i think this is the first time you and i have like actually come out of an episode like with completely different feelings towards it because i really liked it mm-hmm. clearly because i had like strong resonance to what was going on and i could go that's very real and that's feels real and emotional to me yeah. Whereas, like, you know, you know, and that's interesting. But I still, I still do see, like, yeah, there's something, there's something not clicking. I, right. I think, I think what we really needed in this episode was for Rolo to be more kind of sentient, you know, to like maybe chastise Vash and like have some dialogue there 
any kind of humanity on Rolo's part is honestly, I think, something that we really, really needed. Yeah, like maybe maybe something more directly saying what he was pissed off about and where he felt betrayed as opposed to just yeah. his name. And he can directly call attention to the fact that he became this monster because Vash took him back. And mm-hmm. Vash could have to live with that weight, which I'm sure at some point, God, I hope at some point, that will be revealed to Vash. Like, oh, you know that kid Rolo? He was turned to a monster by me because you took him back to his mom. Like, because that dialogue needs to happen. That emotional yeah, gut punch like... needs to happen. And I would like to think that this show is smart enough to, if they didn't do it in this episode, then they are going to do it in a future one as an emotional gut punch for Vash. I think that's it. I think you just cracked the code of, like, that's what feels off, is that it's, like, the the guilt and the way that Vash feels responsible, like, doesn't hit the same with him not, like, with us, us the audience, not seeing any evidence of him knowing that he turned the kid over to be sacrificed. Right. You know, like, we can infer that, that he figured it out eventually, but we didn't see that happening and so it's like kind of a hard sell for all we know vash feels like he's you know he failed the kid because he didn't bring him medicine in time but like at no point is vash questioning the fact that rollo was now like an eight foot tall gun-toting monster man i'm gonna talk that up to the first draft syndrome of like it just slipped the writer's minds of like including that connection they got distracted by other things um, that's what I'm thinking now. I think you just cracked like, it. Like, like that's what, what, what was missing. What this episode missing. really needed, uh, once again, playing script doctor, I think the cold open with the prayer is good. And I think it even going into, like, you know, the our heroes hearing the prayer thing uh, broadcast on the radio uh, as that juxtaposition, that works great, too. Tying the two things together, making you not sure if this is in the past or the present. But then we need more dialogue. We need like a little bit of exposition from like, oddly enough, the episode that an episode needed more exposition and not from Roberto. We needed that to be like, oh, I've been here before. I'm looking for a friend and he can, you know, maybe flash us back to taking that kid back. And then Monev shows up, attacks him, and then Monev starts, you know, conversing with Vash, like, you're the reason I'm like this, you did this, you betrayed me, blah, 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 and Vash has to have, like, this big emotional coming to the realization that he is responsible for this person's current state. Yeah. You told me my mother was worried about me and cared about me, and then she still turned me in anyways, you know? That kind of, that could have done a lot for it on its own. Yeah. There was a lot of ways to handle this episode, and... Mm. I've said pretty much everything I wanted to say. Uh, How about you? Everyone get your shot glasses out, because funny thing, I'm not going to go on too long, obviously. (laughs) God damn it. Funny thing, funny thing, right? Funny story. Not too long ago, just recently, with, um, I put out, like, before even season four dropped, I had put out, like, a big old post and had, like, gotten like got into conversations with people analyzing Sun Wukong and Monkey Kid with the point of like all because he accepted blame and responsibility for something doesn't mean he was to blame 
does but that's also not bad character writing because I was making the point that there's a lot of people out there who think I just need to take the blame and if I take the blame I can fix it and if I can fix it then well it's fixed and funnily enough that ties back into that idea of Vash even though we look outsiders looking in can go oh come on it wasn't his fault he didn't know even if he didn't know at the time he can still feel responsible because there's just people who are like that, who they take responsibility for things out of hindsight, even when it's not fair to them to do that. And I just find it very like kind of ironic in a way that I just like just recently had this whole like analysis moment in the fandom talking about another character with that exact problem. And now we're here like, if we could have seen more of that being what was going on, that would have made this episode better. Tell me what drink you took in the comments. <laughs> and that was your Kai monkey kid moment of the episode. Uh, <laughs> now time for the ratings. Like a lot of my complaints I have are more as a fan of Trigon, like, oh, you changed the source material, like, or, or you ruined Monev type stuff. So, I really want to take that out of the equation and just talk about, like, from a structure standpoint, like, this episode, on its own merits, I'm gonna give three and a half bullets, because I think it's average, it's okay, and it just edges out onto the upper end of okay, just because it has really good action, there's some good emotional beats. Had they kind of, you know, done more with the whole backstory with Vash and everything, tying it to the kid, and how he created Monev, and all these other elements, uh, I think it could have been a much stronger episode. This easily could have been, like, a 5 out of 6 bullets episode. But... As is the episode that we got, I'm giving it three and a half bullets. So for me, I know that like a big part of like my enjoyment of this episode was having like that personal resonance. And so, you know, I don't want to discount that because me having such a strong personal uh, resonance is like, yeah, that's art. But also at the same time, that does like in and of itself cause a bias. So... I'm going to go with the four and a half because I'm going to go with four and a half because I do think the episode was like really good. But I think a lot of a majority of, oh, my gosh, this episode was so amazing, got so much out of it. And I loved it that like if it weren't for the fact that I can recognize that it is because I just personally resonated with that like story of like this is how not to raise a child from birth into a religion, you know, um, like, you know, same with how you're saying most of your complaints were, it's not the source material. And that's most of what took you out of it. Most of what pulled me in was like Like, personal stuff. I, I really appreciate a lot of things this episode was trying to do, but I think it needed another draft. I think they needed yeah. like another <laughs> go around with the scripting process to like tie these disparate elements together for a stronger outcome, which has been the consistent problem with every episode where it's just like you're almost there. Like you got the pieces, you're not putting them together correctly. Yeah, that's what it feels like every episode. It's always just first draft syndrome of you're so close. <laughs> 
Oh, there was the one other thing I wanted to bring up. I told you before uh, we started recording because I don't remember the details of who left the comment or everything mm. of what the comment said, but there was a comment on the last one on the YouTube channel that I really did enjoy reading but also wanted to kind of respond to where they were ex like in defense of Roberto because we really went on bully Roberto hours last as, one. As we should. And, yeah, and like in their in their defense, and this is valid points to make, they were saying that, um, obviously I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while since I read it, but um, they were saying that Roberto um, acts as like a direct like hard extreme foil to Vash's philosophy whereas Wolfwood is a little lighter on it and all that um and so that's the purpose that he serves and like yeah that's all well and good but I still say that I still like say that it's not so much what his character represents so much as the fact that all he is is uh, nihilistic talking point like not even delving too deeply into the philosophy just like the surface level talking point it's a dog eat dog world you know drink and exposition in a very kind of clunky mansplaining kind yeah. of way and that's why he's like so annoying and I think I think you can agree with me that's why the both of us find him so annoying is because anytime he opens his mouth it's one of those yeah, two no, things. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's always... And it's like, where's the rest of the yeah, character? He's, he's... Wolfwood's endearing, you know? Wolfwood's endearing because he's joking around and he's still a little goofy at points. He still feels yeah. human. Ironically enough, he still feels human. Yeah. And, like, um, Roberto is just grumpy old man who mansplains and drinks. And, you know, if I wanted that, I would just, like, walk into a Republican convention Honestly, yeah. <laughs> but that's all that's all I really had to say. Alrighty. Yeah. Well, that was an episode. Fairly decent episode. You know, you got more out of it than I did. And that's cool. I think that's totally valid. Art. Hopefully next episode <laughs> will go better. I think Levio actually does show up next episode because I was seeing uh, advertisements showing Levio, like, being in the series, and it's like, oh, cool, like, I, I don't know if that was next episode or the episode after, I don't know, I'll get to it, guys, no spoilers in the comments, I know we're behind, but no spoilers, <laughs> and, uh, till next time, guys, uh, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't, love and peace, yeah, love and peace, <laughs>